Well, I want to start this morning with a couple of questions. How many of you are happy with who you are? It's kind of a trick question, really, um, because it's obviously, on the one hand, we are taught to be content. We are taught not only by this world, but by God, that he has created us the way he has created us. So there's this dichotomy of I'm happy with who I am, but there's some things that need some improvement on. And um, the world has told us to be proud of who we are. It doesn't matter if we're too fat, too skinny, too young, too old, too shy, too brash. We can be proud of it all, right? That's what the world is celebrating down there at their parade, right? Be proud. <laughs> so um, that is one of the things that we have to look at when we are a believer in Christ is, are we happy with who we are? And then the second question is, is God happy with who you are? Another trick question. <laughs> because while he loves you just as you are, I walked the aisle to just as I am, without one plea, <laughs> on the fifth stanza, because, you know, I was putting it off as long as I could. <laughs> but God is totally, completely in love with you because he is love. But he also loves you enough that he wants us to grow, and he expects us to grow as his children. The book of Ephesians speaks to this growth that is to take place. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 and follow along. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. Now this uh, chapter here is talking about unity of the Spirit, and it's talking about the fact that he has placed us all into a body to work together. So verse 11, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, even teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Continuing on in verse 17, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, 
excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. At the moment of our salvation, God acts upon us to put on that new self. And we talked a little bit about that previously. It freed us from the slavery of our sin nature that we were born with. And no longer are we to walk in those old ways, but we are to walk new. The old way was empty, futile, and in no way could achieve what God has planned for each of us as new creatures in Christ Jesus. Now that we've been saved, and now that we are made new, we are to, as verse 12, 13 says, build up the body of Christ until we attain unity of the faith, attain knowledge of the Son of God, and then attain maturity. And it says to a mature man, or in the King James Version, it says the perfect man. That word there for perfect or mature in the Koine Greek is teleon, and it means complete or mature. And this maturity is to develop in us as we function within a church body under the headship of a pastor teacher, and we must attain the knowledge of the Son of God, and we do that by being in his word, learning his mind, which this word is called the mind of Christ, and so we want to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and of the word. Because God's not content to let us be born into the family of God and let us remain an infant. He wants to build us up into a structure of maturity, a spiritual maturity, until we retain the stature of Christ restoring us to the image that Adam and Eve were originally created in, in the image of God. So today we're going to explore what it means to build up a structure of spiritual maturity. But let's open with a word of prayer first as we begin. Father God, thank you for loving us as we are. You are a God of love and all of your other attributes just slide in together with that to not only call us in your love, but to also remind us that you are just and that there will be things that will be judged one day. Father, I pray that as we um, look at this growth that we are to have, you have spiritually birthed us through your Holy Spirit, and I thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for us today. By your spirit, teach us how to be the women you want us to be, to grow us up in a way that we would never depart from what you have taught us. 
And Lord, we give you the praise and glory. We pray in the precious name of Jesus, who is our rock. Amen. So as I said, God never intended for us to stay as infants in the body of Christ. If you think about it, a baby is so limited in what it can do. I love that newborn stage, it, you know, just right up even to the, when they're two or three years old. But um, especially when they're infants, you know, they can do nothing for themselves. They have to be fed. They have to be taken care of. And they don't know how to feed themselves yet. They have to be taught. And it can take days before, weeks before they realize they have fingers. And I don't know if you remember as a mom watching your baby and all of a sudden they discover their fingers. And it's like, what is that? <laughs> and then pretty soon, you know, a few weeks down the road, they're able to pick something up with that hand that they didn't even know they had at first. And then, you know, eventually they're able to stand up on walk around furniture. And pretty soon then they're taking off a step or two. But that takes them gaining strength in their legs and, and getting mobile instead of just being laying there. Every child varies on their growth pattern, just as we all vary in our growth pattern spiritually. Some of us were born into a family that was um, relentless in taking children around by their fingers and walking them everywhere. My parents and my brother and Bobby and I as well, with our little daughter when she was really little. I mean, at two months, she had really strong legs. She was always standing, always wanting to stand. So we would take her fingers and we would follow her around the room as she walked, you know? And at first it was like, how do you get that foot out there? She didn't know how to get the foot out there. And she'd get one foot out, but then what do you do with the other foot? You know, and then it's like, oh, okay, here this. <laughs> so they would, it was like, turn this baby. But this baby skipped the stage of crawling completely. And she went directly into walking. At six months of age, she took her first steps. And I had sat her, it propped up in a chair to take her picture before church on a Sunday morning because she looked so cute in her little dress. And she just stood up and walked to me. So thankfully, I had the camera in my hand and got her very first steps. <laughs> but by the time she was nine months, that kid was running because she'd been walking for three months already. Now, my son didn't start walking till he was 10 months. My friend's son didn't start working, walking till he was 14 months. But it was because my daughter had adults who were shepherding her around and taking her and training her and strengthening up those muscles so that she could walk early. And I have to tell you that it's very much the same in our spiritual growth. There are those who come to Christ and they grow so fast because they're being discipled, they're being trained, they're being taught what the Word of God is. I had a friend that was 65 years old when she became a Christian. She had looked for God in a lot of different ways, New Age, Scientology. She had looked for him everywhere, crystals, you name it. She had looked for this God part to be filled in her life. And she finally accepted Christ at the age of 65. And she was in her bedroom at the time. And then she started praying for her husband because she thought, 
Now I found the truth, but what about him? And eventually she wandered out into the living room and found him on his knees, praying to accept Christ. They had both found him at the same time. But this woman, within five years of being a Christian, went from being an infant in the Lord to being a teacher. And she was one of my mentors as I became a, a young women's director at our church. And she was amazing because she had such a hunger and a thirst to know more about this God that she had missed out on all of her life. And um, the sweet lady, she's since passed away. Uh, she passed when she was 75. But what a incredible life she lived in those last 10 years because she grew so tremendously in her spiritual walk and led others to walk to walk closer to God through that process. So her growth process was very rapid. I know other people who are saved and have never grown at all. They have stayed in that infant stage because they have not been trained up in the word of God. And they have just been content to have God as their savior. And that is as far as it has gone. But just as we expect our children to grow up and become responsible adults, God expects us to grow up in our spiritual walk and become spiritually faithful until we attain a unity of the faith and become mature in Christ. And the structure of spiritual maturity includes all three persons of the Godhead. We have the Father, and we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit, and they all play a part in this spiritual growth. The Father, we can call him the architect. He is the one who has designed the plan. He is the one who has a designed plan for each one of us, a blueprint for each of our lives, a step-by-step -step that we are to follow. And then we have the son. He's kind of like the negotiator of the contract. And the thing about being the negotiator is he's the one we have to go through to get to the architect. Because without him, we can't meet the architect. It is only through Jesus and his um, ability to get us into a position where we can have a meeting with the architect. Then there is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is like the working foreman in our job. As the working foreman, he is the one that is responsible to take, go through every step of the process of building with us. He is the one that gives leadership and direction. He hones the tools that we need. He does everything. He provides all that we need to accomplish that job and to keep us generally on task. So he's like the working foreman on a, in a building project. And the father's the architect, the son's the negotiator of the contract, and 
The Holy Spirit is the working foreman, and together they provide everything that we need to accomplish building this spiritual maturity. One of the first songs that I learned, probably you as well if you grew up in church, was about the wise man building his house upon the rock. And that song, um, it was always so fun to sing, but it's straight out of Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, <clears throat> excuse me, and acts on them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell down, and the floods came up, and the winds slammed against the building, and the building stood firm because it was on the rock. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, they will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. It's important to remember, ladies, that a building is only as strong as the foundation on which it is built. Jesus, thankfully, is our very cornerstone for our spiritual structure. So let's look at Christ, our cornerstone. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> he was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. In chapter 28, verse 16, which reads, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. I'm going to read it out of the King James as well. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. The words, therefore, will not be disturbed in the New American Standard and shall, make, shall not make haste in the King James Version is pronounced shed vashim, but a little bit heavier on the H's. <laughs> and it means to move quickly or to run with a burst of energy out of a sense of being dismayed or fearful. It's like when your adrenaline kicks in. That's what it's like if you don't have that foundation. But it says, for the one who believes upon the rock, he will not be disturbed. He won't run. He won't flee. But rather, he will recognize the cornerstone and rest upon it. He who believes on this costly, precious cornerstone has a sure foundation. And I've kind of drawn a foundation up here, and it's nothing compared to what our Christ is. But it's at least a visual for us to look at. Because we're going to talk about the very foundation of any spiritual growth that we can have is based on Jesus Christ and what he did for us. 
He is the stone that the builders rejected. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Peter and John were arrested in Jerusalem. And Peter, it says, according to verse 8, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then look what it says in Acts 4, 10 through 12. Now remember, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is pulling no punches here with these people. He is telling them exactly how it is. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified and God raised from the dead, by this man who stands before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. He is the stone that the builders rejected. The very people that God chose to provide this precious cornerstone rejected him. And the result of that is, is that we were welcomed into the church age where we can accept Christ and have the Holy Spirit indwell us. We can have the mind of Christ, it tells us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, along with chapter 3, verse 11, tells us we have the mind of Christ through his Spirit, and he is the only true foundation. 1 Corinthians 2.14 Here we have him talking about the distinction between being a spiritual man and a natural man or a soulish man. So before we accept Christ, we have a soul. We still have a soul. But now that we have accepted Christ, we have a spirit that's been birthed in us by the Holy Spirit. And so this is referring to us before we had accepted Christ, before we had a spirit that could relate to God. We were very soulish. We were natural just a natural carnal man. We thought like the world. We had our sin nature in us. And so we did things according to the world. So it says a natural man doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness to him, and he can't even understand them. He doesn't have that spirit to relate to God. So he makes that distinction. And he goes on in verse 16 to say, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, speaking to believers. And then looking at 1 Corinthians 3.11, page over, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The context there is talking about man trying to build up his own structure. He's trying to build his own world, his own foundation. And he is trying everything he can to make sure that he doesn't falter. We see it all around us, a world trying to make it on their own. And he says, there is no other foundation other than the one that Jesus Christ has laid. Jesus is our foundation. And our spiritual building that we will erect 
based on living for God and following his guidelines, is built up off of that foundation of Jesus Christ. So on that day, when we stand before the master architect, the one who designed the righteous plan for each of our lives, and he compares our building with the plans that he made, what will he find? Will he find some things that are a little bit cockeyed and a little bit, some things may be very showy, maybe very elaborate, maybe very gaudy, <laughs> but not the right kind of gaudy. <laughs> some things may be very pleasing to our eye, but to God, if they don't match that righteous plan that he has designed for us, it's going to be burned up because it is futile and it is worthless to the plan that he had designed for us. So anything that we try to build up on this foundation that is not following the guideline that God has laid for us is, is empty, it's void, it's vain. There's no reason to even have it there. And he will burn it up. We see that here in 1 Corinthians, where it says in um, verse 14, if any man's work which he has built on it remains, will receive a reward. Good job, you did it right. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, because all that work that we did was for nothing. It was just for nothing. But he himself will still be saved, and so through fire. Judgment is coming on the works that we are performing. Are they from the Holy Spirit working within us, or are they our own desires and our own um, wants for what we want people to look at, to think that we are, to, to pre present to others. What is it that we are building upon? We want to be building upon the foundation of Christ. He alone is our rock. I have a very strong affinity to rocks. Um, whether I got that from my grandmother, who also loved rocks, or maybe it was just from knowing scripture where Jesus is called our rock so many times. But I have a very strong affinity. I especially love little heart ones that I find along my path. And if you're on my Facebook account, you know I'm constantly posting heart rocks or heart coral or whatever I find that's heart-shaped. But I love the fact that God is a rock but he loves us so much, and he has so much um, for us in this world. So let's look at a couple of the blessings that we have. King David knew this salvation well. He knew that um, God was his rock. Look at Psalm 18, verses 2 and 3. Psalm 18, 2 and 3. And there's a couple of places that this song is recorded in Scripture for us. And we're going to look at both of those places. Psalm 18, 2 to 3 says, well, I'm just going to start with verse 1 because you know it's so good. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. 
And I don't know if you underline in your Bible, but some of the blessings that we have in, in, in this verse alone is that he is our rock. He is our fortress. We can hide in him. We have forts here on island. We know that, that when the king was in there, he was safe. There was nothing getting into that fort. Now think about God being your fortress. Man can probably find some way to sneak into a fort. No one's sneaking into God's fort. He has us firmly secure in him, and he has got us protected. The second place that we see this song is in 2 Samuel 22, 2-4. David was saved so many times from physical enemies. But I think if you read his Psalms and you read what his life was about, you know there was a lot of spiritual problems that this man had to go through. And he just so much wanted to live for God and have a heart like God, but his flesh just kept going the wrong direction. But even God says he's a man after his own heart. So that's hope for us, ladies. We can, we can realize that we're not going to be perfect in this, this life. It's just not happening. But what is our heart? God knows it. And we, he knows that we have a heart for him. 2 Samuel 22, 2-4, And David spoke the words of this song to the Lord in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of the, all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Later in the same chapter, in verse 47, he adds, The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be God, the rock of my salvation. And the word there for blessed means to humbly bend over in adoration. That's the adoration he's giving to his God, who is his rock. He is humbling himself before him, prostrate, saying, Lord, you are my rock. And I don't know about you, but I have been there many times, face down, Lord, you are my rock. That affinity I have to rocks reminds me that God is stable. He is sturdy. He is my foundation, and he loves me. We build our life upon the rock, and we are blessed with stability beyond what this world can offer. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 19 tells us several things, some of which that is that we will be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ will dwell in our heart, that we are rooted rooted in this foundation and grounded in love. And the most miraculous thing of all, we are able to comprehend, to understand 
the mind of Christ. And with all the saints to know what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of his love for us. That love that put him on a cross. And I think too often we take that love for granted. But that love, that knowing that love of Christ is to know by experience. And if any of us have accepted Christ, we know from experience the love that he has for us. It's higher, wider, deeper, grander than any love you or I will ever know on this planet. And it's the more we know of Christ and this foundation that we stand on, the wider and the deeper and the higher and the deeper, the everything will grow exponentially in our understanding of who Christ is and the foundation that we stand on. Until, it says, we will be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, I know some people who are content to just stand on top of that cross. There they are on a pole, standing there. They've been saved, but they're just content to stand there on the fact that Jesus saved them. But look how precarious that is. <laughs> Do you ever go to a, a place where they have a ropes course? Uh, there's one in California at the Christian camp there, and they have a pole, and you, it's a telephone pole. So picture one of these telephone poles out here, not the new fat ones, but the little skinny ones, and you climb up the top of that, and you have to stand on that and then jump off because you're harnessed in. But just getting up on top of that pole and standing there, I cannot... Imagine the fear. I haven't done it. My sister-in-law did it. My brother did it. My kids have done it. But, <laughs> but I can't imagine the fear. But my, my sister-in-law, who's a little bit afraid of heights, she said that was the scariest thing she's ever done. And to stand there and know there's nothing holding you down below. And some people are just content in their Christian faith that that's all they need to know. I'm just saved. And I'm good with that. Me, I'm a little greedier. I'm not going to be satisfied with a little closet perched on top of a hole. I want a mansion. <laughs> and I've got to have a wide foundation in order to have that mansion. So i got to know my Jesus. And i got to know the mind of Christ. And I want to know more than Jesus on a cross. I want to know Jesus as the author and perfecter of my faith that I have set my eyes on and follow after him. Turn over a page to Ephesians 4, back to where we started here, and let's look at some of the results that we see by growing to the measure of the stature which belongs to those with the fullness of Christ. Verse Let's see, down here in verse 14 of chapter 4. When we are working together as a body, when we are functioning and each of us are doing our parts, we all have different gifts that the Lord has given us, different provisions that he has given us to work it within the body, to build one another up. And as we are doing that, this is the result. We will no longer be children 
Now, my granddaughter, most of you met her this last year. She used to love to play a game where she was a baby and I was her mommy and she wanted to be held and fed and taken care of. The only problem with that was she was 10 years old. And to see this 10-year-old girl with her gangly long legs laying on the floor all curled up, sucking her thumb, waiting for mommy to take care of her, meh, meh, meh. It was so unnatural. And it was so disturbing to me to see her that way. Because I know children who never grow out of that infant stage, who have an adult body, but aren't able to function. And I just told her one day, I said, honey, I can't play this with you. You're too big to play this. By now you should be fending for yourself. You should be taking care of yourself. You be the mommy, I'll be the little girl, and we'll go shopping, you know, or something to distract her because she wanted to play this a lot. But it was just so unnatural. And it's just the same with us and God. It's unnatural for us to not want to grow up in him. So we are no longer to be children. We are to um, become adults as in our spiritual growth. And I wonder sometimes about God seeing us acting like a baby in different situations and what he thinks about that. <laughs> we should be growing in Christ. No longer tossed here and there. Paul switches to kind of a, a scene that we're familiar with. We have the sea right outside our doors. We see the winds today. And I was watching the ferry leave this morning, and that ferry was just up and down and up and down, and the wave was crashing over the front of the, of the ferry. And that thing's going to be tossed to and fro today. And I felt very sad for the people that were on there because that's a long two-and-a-half-hour trip over to St. Thomas when it's like that. But we are not going to be tossed here and there and with Christ as our foundation, our foundation gets enlarged as we grow in our knowledge of him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Knowing the mind of Christ will make us have stable minds. And in a world where everyone seems to have gone crazy, we need a stable mind. And that will only come as we know him more and are in God's word and learning we won't be swayed by a good speaker or a good preacher. I hope you ladies know when I'm up here teaching, I do it in fear and trembling um, because I know I'll be held to a stricter judgment because of it, because God's word tells me that. that when I first read that in James, I'm like, oh, nope, not going to be a teacher. Nope, nope. <laughs> oh, no, Lord, I'm sure you meant me to. So I'm going to. I know I'll clean the kitchen at the church. That'll be what I'll do. But he said, nope, you're going to teach. And you are going to be held to a stricter judgment. But it's your job and my job when I'm listening to someone to check out what they're saying. Are they teaching truth? You're only going to know it if you're in here. They don't teach you how to look for counterfeit money at a bank by looking at a bunch of fake money. 
They teach you by having you look at the real money so much that you can automatically recognize something that's not real. And that's how we should be as believers. Not tossed here and there, not carried about by every wind of doctrine, but knowing the mind of Christ so that we have stability and we won't be caught off guard by the deceptions and false teachings of those who scheme to make us falter in our faith. We will have a stable foundation to stand on if we are in the Word of God. Knowing why we believe what we believe is a very important thing in this day and age because everyone wants to argue with us about it. You know, and there's even a verse that talks about don't debate with them. If they don't have the mind of Christ, if they don't have the Spirit of God to help them appraise spiritual things, they will not understand anything other than the fact that they need a Savior. And that is our starting point. But once they become a, a Christian, it is our job as a church body to build them up, grow them up. Let's not just leave them sitting there. And Valerie and I were talking about it earlier this morning. The church has an issue with the fact that we want the church to grow. But we don't want the church to let certain people in because they kind of stink. <laughs> and they don't act the way we act. And they don't look the way we look. And we expect them to be adults in their spiritual walk already. But if they don't even know Christ, they haven't even been started to be worked on by the Holy Spirit and changed from within. We have the blessing of being in a position where we have had him working on us for a while. I was nine, and he was working on me before then because he knew I was a rebellious kid. So we have that blessing of knowing him and having him work on us. It's like when our kids turned 18, my husband was so upset that they weren't thinking clearly. They weren't doing things right. They weren't doing this. They weren't doing that. I said, honey, you're expecting them to know everything that we know at the age of 18. It took us this long to figure all of that out. So let's give them a little grace. And that's how we're going to have to be with people who are coming in our doors. We have to treat them with the grace of God because he's treated us in that same grace. Okay, that was a little rabbit trail. But God has given us each other to speak the truth in love. And if you see me and I am not following God and I'm out of fellowship, it's your duty to come to me. Let's not do it. Hey, Tammy, you're out of fellowship. Let's do it one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> but it's your duty to come to me and say, hey, I think you're struggling because there's something I can pray for you or something I can help you with here. And let's work through it together. But we're to grow up in all aspects, all aspects, into Christ, who is our head, being built up together into a spiritual house. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> Here in chapter 1, we have that follow-up of last month where we talked about being holy because God is holy. 
And in chapter two, we are like newborn babes, it says. <clears throat> Excuse me. So verse two of chapter two, we have this instruction. Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And I'm pretty sure all of us have tasted the kindness of the Lord in our lifetime, not only by the gift of salvation, but as he has grown us up. Look down at verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Remember the word holy means to be set apart. And the priesthood was a servant position. So many people elevate a priest to a position that God never intended him to be. He was the servant of God. And that is what we are to be, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 6, for this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. We are a holy priesthood, living stones being built up on the rock of Jesus Christ. Now, before you get too comfortable thinking about drinking that milk that talks about us like newborn babes drinking that milk, let's look over at Hebrews chapter 5. Because the writer of Hebrews says that some people get a little bit too complacent in their walk and they just want to drink milk, drink milk, drink milk. But in chapter 5, verse 12, he's going to challenge believers to not settle for milk. <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 12. He says... For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. My son teaches a class on Sunday nights at his church. And there's only a, maybe a dozen people that come because it's a seminary class. <laughs> it is, he takes one verse from the Bible and he defines every Greek or Hebrew word that they're discussing from that verse. And it takes the hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes to do one verse because he does all the ands, ifs, buts, he connects it all. And it is a Bible college level class. But 
if we were all so, what's the word I'm looking for? Desirous to know God, that kind of class would be what we'd be striving for because our appetite would develop into that. A lot of people can't handle it because they haven't experienced even the basic teachings of God. But when you get into the deeper understandings of what those words meant then in that era, in that culture, it's often sometimes different than what we hear out of the just reading the Bible. And it takes a growth process to and an appetite stimulant to get to that place where we are actually ready to consume um, that kind of diet because it's uh, one of those things that you just can't start from scratch, you know, day one. I wouldn't take someone that just accepted Christ and say, okay, here's a Bible class for you. You need to take this. Eventually, we hope to all get there, right? We want to desire that milk at first, like a baby. We know babies, they cry when they want that milk. We long for it. It's a fierce longing. It's a fierce desire, that kind of desire is. And we want to be disciplined to be in the Word. And for some of us, it starts out very slow with the daily bread. That only takes me 10 minutes to read. I can get my verse for the day. I can pray, and I can be on my way. For some, we need to spend more time. And especially if you have the provision of being a spiritual teacher, teaching the Word of God, you're going to be required to spend more time in the Word of God in order to teach the truth. And so that's why God gave us pastor teachers, because their job is to spend time studying so that they can teach us who have other jobs, gift of service, gift of helps, gift of encouragement, gift of discernment, all of those things that we have, all those other gifts that work to build up the body are reliant upon our pastor teachers to teach us God's word from a, a deeper level. But it requires an appetite for the word of God. So yes, we, are, we start out longing for the milk of the word as a new believer. But how we transition to chewing on a little meat is what's important. Because for a lot of us, we're just content to just keep drinking that bottle. And he wants us to start putting a little substance, substance in there. I remember when uh, my mom said, oh, it's time to add some rice to your daughter's bottle at night because she's not sleeping all the way through. So you give her a little rice in there, she's going to just sleep all through the night. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> so you start adding in some foods. And then, of course, all of us have to add in a lemon every now and then just to see their weird faces. But, <laughs> but um, we are to long for the pure milk. But this writer in Hebrew says, you know, I've been get, you've been drinking milk so long. You should be teachers by now. By now, you should be so ingrained with the word of God that you could actually stand up here and teach. And yet, we just settle for, for less. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says something very similar to the Corinthian church. First Corinthians 3, verses 2 through 6. 
Paul says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly, carnal, sinful? Are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who was causing the growth. So while we look to physical teachers and pastors to guide us and to lead us, recognize the fact that it's the Holy Spirit working through them to teach you. And if you feel like your toes are getting stepped on occasionally, which mine often do, um, it's because the Holy Spirit's trying to get our attention and train us up and teach us differently than what we were thinking before. So the challenge is this. Stop walking like the world and long for the pure milk of the word. It's a starting point. Long for it. At first, you might not have an appetite for it. At first, it may just seem kind of, I don't really have time for it today. I, I can get by without it. But be disciplined at least to spend a little bit of time drinking from the pure milk of the word. We are to understand the mind of Christ so that we can not only have the benefits of being strengthened and rooted and grounded in his love, but we are to be filled to the fullness of God. The challenge is to grow up, no longer children, but to become mature in our faith and in our walk with God, to no longer be swayed by persuasive speech or tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. Ladies, if we want a sound mind, we have to know the truth, and that will only come in the form of his word. We are a royal priesthood, and we are to offer up holy sacrifices, but we won't know what those are if we are not being led by the Holy Spirit on the daily, minute-by-minute minute, um, walk with him. We must become students, learners of the word of God, and it will take diligence, it will take discipline, and I am not just speaking to you ladies. I have been so <laughs> guilty of this later, lately, and I think this is why he's brought this to my mind. I have not been disciplined in, to be in his word. Oh yes, I have my morning devotions every morning, but I have been letting it sit there. I have not been getting into it deeper. I have not been thriving because I have not been striving to know God better. It will take discipline and diligence because the Christian walk is not a lazy walk. <laughs> it is not a lazy walk. Here are some questions to think on. How broad is your foundation? 
Are you like one who's standing there on the top of that cross, looking out at this chaos in this world, feeling very unsure and very precarious? All I can say to you is turn around. Because when you turn around and you see the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of what he has for us, our vision will change. The problems of this world will change. Because if we're standing over here looking this way, we will be fearful. If we turn this way and we look this way, there are some problems down here we can't even see because all we see is God. And that will save us from the heartache and the hurting that this stuff down here is going to cause us. If we're looking this direction, our view changes. And we're no longer concerned with the things that are out there because Jesus got it. He's got it all taken care of. So how broad is the rock that you're standing on? I guarantee it's bigger than you know. I be it's bigger than I know. Because we cannot exhaust the word of God to know it all. But as we grow spiritually on this foundation of Jesus Christ, we will find ourselves able to stand firm without any fear. How many of us trust God? How many of us still have momentary moments of panic <laughs> in a situation? <laughs> but we trust God. But we need, we're like that man that uh, came to Jesus and he said, you know, heal my son. And he said, if you would believe, I would heal him. And he said, oh, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. He knew his limitations. We have limitations. But God is able. So when those world issues are far away because we're standing looking this way, it's so much easier to get through this life. The challenge is to build our life upon the rock. He alone is our firm foundation. Let's sink our faith deep into the bedrock and build our faith upon the rock that is higher than I. Um, on your lesson guide, I've put a, a couple of things there I want to close with. First, a reminder that encapsulates both last month's study and today's. Listen to these words from 1 Samuel 2, 2, and delight in the fact that there is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. And secondly, a quote from a gentleman by the name of Samuel Rutherford in the devotional Streams in the Desert. It reads, trust God's word and his power more than you trust your own feelings and experiences. Remember your rock is Christ, and it is the sea that ebbs and flows with the tides, not him. If we're building our foundation on our own feelings and experiences, that's pretty unstable ground because those change by the moment. But if we're building it on Jesus Christ, our firm foundation, then anything else that God has planned in his blueprint for our life, the structure that he has given to us to build, will be built upon the solid rock.
will leave here today willing to at least go a little bit harder with him. You know, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because everybody's wanting to know God anyway, but, or else you wouldn't be here. But even in that, even for me, maybe I'm just saying it for me, I need to be more diligent. I need to be more disciplined. I can spend my little quiet time with him and walk away happy, or I can get to know my God. And it's a whole different perspective when that happens. And that's going to be, my verse this year is, trust in God, dwell in the land, and cultivate faithfulness. And that cultivate is not a gardening term. I thought it was. <laughs> it's not. It's a lead to graze. It's a shepherding and it means to lead to graze. So I am to lead myself to graze on the faithfulness of God. I am to lead you ladies to the faithfulness of God because that's what he's made me do. I didn't want this. Sorry. <laughs> I love you ladies, but I really didn't want to do this. But when he calls you to something, you have to be obedient. Otherwise, you will be more miserable than ever. So um, submit to him. Stand on your rock. He is a faithful rock. Let's pray. Father God, we just praise you so much that you have given us a rock that is stable and secure and that we can build up from that on the plan that you have made for us. That we don't have to look for things to do. You just drop them in our laps. You've already laid them out and designed that plan for us. So help us to walk by your spirit so that we will know what is of you and what is not of your spirit. Help us to have discernment in that area, Lord, and help us to only do what you are calling us to do. Help us to not get caught up in the things of this world and let it spin us around, toss us to and fro. Help us to not listen to Paul's teaching. Help us to discern that. And Lord, I just pray that you would just work in each one of these ladies' lives, including myself, and grow us up on this firm foundation, Jesus Christ, our rock. What a redeemer he is. We thank you so much for that. Pray that you would be with each of us in all that we do, that it would be pleasing and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, ladies.